So we have uh, Mr. Ryan Wilson from the Gathering Spot, man. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. The business truly is about the people. Youngest member is 21, oldest is 91. So my job every day is to try to connect the dots. My process is that like, I just try to take a meaningful step every single day. I'm not about to allow you to do it bigger than me at all. I went to my dad, who's an entrepreneur, and I was like, hey, look, we thought this thing was gonna be a million dollars. It looks like it's going to be a lot more. And he was like, son, small ideas will keep you small. You have to fight for the best possible version of your idea. In the early days of a business, it's about activity. Yeah. Our first round ended up being over three million. I thought the story was your dad gave you a bunch of money and you just built that joint. One of the early conversations with my dad was like, look, to demonstrate that the business is interesting to other people. Yes, you're my son. Yeah. But to demonstrate that the business is like is interesting to other folks, you got to go raise some capital. Yeah. The $3 million that we raised, we put all of that into construction, right. right? So the day that we opened, we had to make money from that day in order to survive like immediately. There was a day that the like power went out and I called him and I was like, yo, did they finally get us? Really? And so we almost had a deal with a very big development in town. And there was a 95% owner and a 5% owner. 5% owner asked us to come to a meeting. We go in the meeting, walks in the room, He's like, I will not lease you the largest contiguous space in my development. Deal dead right then. Boom. Over with. Why? Welcome to another edition of the Social Proof Podcast. We have probably the most anticipated episode, at least by me. I've anticipated this. You know what I mean? Like, I've been wanting to have this conversation for a very, very long time, man. And I'm glad we're having having it now. I'm glad we're not having this conversation two years ago or three years ago because uh, you've been able to um, accomplish some amazing things and then went through like the ups and downs of it. Like this is kind of like my thing with uh, pandemic preneurs. You're in a season where you built a business in a good space, but you don't really understand entrepreneurship until you have ups and downs and ins and outs and waves. And it's a war. It's a war. Yeah, no, I look, I, I'm super grateful for the timing too, because yeah, there's been some new chapters of the war uh, recently, but look, it's marathon work, not sprint work. So absolutely happy to still be in the game. Absolutely. So we have uh, Mr. Ryan Wilson from the gathering spot, man. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, thanks for having for me. Coming. Thanks for having me. Um, I, I want to get started with where we are in terms of what the gathering spot is for those that don't know. How do you describe it? We're in the community business. So we build physical places that bring people together. First club was here in Atlanta. It has three parts, event space, restaurant and bar space, and workspace. Mm -hmm. General idea is that you connect through experiences, through dining, or through work. Mm -hmm. But the business truly is about the people. Youngest member is 21, oldest is 91. So my job every day is to try to connect the dots. They're entrepreneurs. They're folks that work for some of the biggest businesses in town. They're people who are just getting started out and people who are like on their way out. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the thing that makes it fun every day. And what are the, what are the locations you have now? So Atlanta's eight years old. Uh, that was the first one. We have physical clubs in DC and in LA, but then we have membership communities in New York, Chicago, Detroit, Houston, and Charlotte. So it's eight cities in total where they're TGS oh. members. So what's, but you're saying the other ones don't have a physical location. Yeah. So, I mean, during the pandemic, my, my, my thesis has always been this, like similar to like your high school, or your college, mm-hmm. 
it doesn't require you don't have to go there every day to be a part of the community. Right. Mm -hmm. So wherever the community is, when you go to your alumni club, that's that is the college, at least for the moment. During the pandemic, we were like, hey, we can do this in other cities. We can bring people together. And so those five markets, we decided to start the community and then go find space. So that's what I'm doing right now. They pay now. They pay now. In a state in a state where there's not a club. So how do you give them their money's worth? All through programming, right? So we just, we do different things and some will be more social. Some will be more towards like who you are as a professional, but we just, we have activities that bring the community together on a regular basis and you get a lot of value out of the relationship. Truly like from the beginning, TGS for me, physical location or not, we have to have places to like come together and build. And so, yes, it's awesome to have a space that's ours. But sometimes we might have to be in spaces that are other people's for at least for the minute. But I tell folks all the time, like, if it's a place where we are, that's the gathering spot for at least those couple of hours. I got you. So you might partner with some, a spot in, let's say, where's a place you're not a club? New York? New York, Chicago. Chicago. Houston. Find a spot in Chicago and say, hey, if you are a TSG member, the TGS. TGS. TGS member. You can go to this spot because we worked out some deal where that's your gathering place. now. Yeah. So like, well, just imagine you get an invitation to an event. It's like, hey, gathering spot community is coming together here. We'll be there from six to ten. And we do them everywhere. Hotels, restaurants, homes, like mm. park, like everywhere. Like, I mean, the whole city is open for us to uh, to create different experiences. So we do. I mean, we're and like in New York. We've done events in every single borough. Okay, so I need to know real quickly how we got this started. And I guess the, the, the idea, the thought in my head was, or what, I, what I, th- I think I know is, okay, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, tell me how you started. So I wanted to be a lawyer growing up and I went all the way to law school. So I was in DC in law school, but I was doing a lot of community work, a lot of like organizing work. I came back to Atlanta, though, between my 1L and 2L year, and I was working at this law firm. I'll be honest, I didn't really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. So I'm starting to look around. I'm like, wait, this is a lifelong dream, but this is not feeling lifelong for me. (laughs) And it was the same summer that George Zimmerman was on trial for Trayvon Martin's murder. So Mm -hmm. I'm like everybody else watching every single minute of that trial. Like I'm like, it was on in the background to the point, honestly, like IT at the firm came in and was like, what are you streaming in here? Because <laughs> I, w- I was watching it. But long story short, we remember George Zimmerman gets acquitted of Trevor Martin's murder. And I was on an email thread with some of my friends back in DC trying to talk about what we should do. And I was like, look, we need a physical place to have this conversation. And wait, why is there not a physical place for us to like have this conversation? Yeah. And I, uh, that summer I had been in, like been in, in and out of the, a lot of those country clubs and city clubs. And I'm like, those are interesting models. They're not for me. They've really been built for like old white men. Yeah. But what happens if we build a place where like, I don't know, I'm 22, 23 at the time. What year is this? It's 2013. 2013. Um, yeah. And I, uh, I'm like, look, we, we should go build it. So two days later, my now business partner, but then roommate, uh, TK from undergrad, I hit him and I was like, look, I got an idea. Here's the like shell of it. Can you help me build a business model? Walk me through mm. this shell and what, I mean, what was in that 
paper that you handed him that's not there now. So fortunately, honestly, like the the essence of what we do right now was in is still it was a paragraph like it wasn't honestly it wasn't even a well written paragraph. Right. It was like, hey, I got an idea. We should have a place. And like what happens if you like merge all of these different concepts mm-hmm. together and like do it for us? Mm-hmm. I need a model like your numbers guy, like finance and accounting double major. Like, what's up? Like build me something that I can like understand how this thing will make money. And uh, we started meeting every day. So I, I came back to D.C. shortly after. He would come to my apartment every night. And we would just try to take a step every night. So that was 2013. I graduated uh, from law school in 2015. Packed up our bags. We, like, packed my apartment, then packed his. Drove down to Atlanta. And that was uh, that was the start of TGS. Why Atlanta? This is the most important city in the country to me. I, I, if you look at what was, especially at that time, what you were seeing, like all start at the same time, every other city is like defined by something, right? Hollywood or finance or like Atlanta, like we have all of those things at the same time. The creatives know the entrepreneurs and like the entrepreneurs know the people that work at the big companies. I'm like, no, I want to be in a city that like people do that. And that's a part of the just the way the city moves. But how did you know that Atlanta was that? Are you from Atlanta? I'm from yeah, I'm, I'm from, here. from here. Okay, but yes, I've been yes. gone. I mean, at that point, that was eight years that I've been away from the city. But yeah. every time that I, I came back home, I'm like, this is the best place to be a black entrepreneur in the country. Like, where else could you? You're in your 20s. Yeah. I need to raise some money. I mean, at that point, we thought we needed to raise, it was like a million dollars or so. And I'm like, what other city can two young black guys move and and figure it out? Yeah, Atlanta seems like the perfect spot to do it. And you'll you'll see honestly for me like I'm a very gut driven entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and my gut was telling me that that was the right move. So right. we got in the car. So you were you were interning at the the law firm at that point. Right. So in the you very beginning, in. I was, right. I actually ended up declining my job offer and telling them that I wasn't coming and said, hey, look, you know, thank you for the, the opportunity, but I'm, I'm going to try to be a, a full-time entrepreneur. Gotcha. So, okay, give up all that. You come down to Atlanta with an idea, with a, uh, a idea of this magnitude, and I'm sure if you were thinking, we need a building and we're going to pack people in there. We're going to have a restaurant. We're going to have event space. We're going to have like co-working, networking, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Where do we start? What's the first step? Man, I didn't know then. I, don't, I honestly don't know if I know now. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> my, my process is that like I just try to take a meaningful step every single day. Just like something, right? And like, especially at that time, I didn't know a lot about most of what we were doing. So my plan was like, look, I'm going to spend time with people that do. And I built a team of folks that like really knew. So I'd never been in the restaurant business before. But the guy that was working with us, it was his 42nd restaurant. I could okay. ask him anything. Hold on. How did you get these people, though? Because right now it's you and TK. Yeah. Then you come down. You don't have no money to pay nobody to be on your on your team, especially when you've got a business at this point. Man, people will talk. If you ask them to, if you're very specific in what you're trying to like ask someone about, now, look, I think the mistake people make is they're like, hey, can I pick your brain? Like, 
about what? Like, <laughs> like, but if you ask a very specific question to someone that is an industry expert, they're normally like really passionate about whatever the industry is. Yeah. And they'll, they'll go to coffee with you and give you just a little bit of a little bit. And I, I did that. Like, I mean, it was the same way we were raising money. I mean, same time that we were trying to build a team of advisors around us, we were trying to raise cash and I, we counted. I mean, it was 97 people before the first person said yes, but I didn't know 97 people. I just, I would pitch to you. You would be like, no. And then I would say, okay, do you have anybody else that you can refer me to? Mm. And a lot of times folks would be like, you know what? It's not for me, but it might be for my friend. Yeah. Here's the number. And so we'd be like, okay, cool. We'll go over there. And we just kept talking. I mean, it was a day in, day out. I mean, this stuff sounds cliche, but like in the early days of a business, it's about activity. Yeah. Like, can you just keep movement? Is there, is there some motion that you, that you have? And like, we just didn't kept our feet moving. There's a lot of things you can do with $500. I mean, you can have a night out with your significant other. You could buy some really expensive shoes. Well, really nice shoes are about double $500. Um, you could buy a course or you can learn something for $500. But I have something better for you to do with the $500. I want to meet with you every single morning for the rest of your life. Well, maybe not the rest of your life, but every morning, Monday through Friday, for the rest of the year. I have information and game that have allowed me to build a successful business, a successful community, and a successful life all the way around. But I want to share that with you. But the only way we can accomplish this is not me selling you a course, not me giving you a one-on-one -on -one consultation, because even with that, you'll get the information, but you'll need more. I want to meet with you every single morning. Now, would I meet with someone every morning for 500 bucks for a year? And the answer is yes. Actually, we've been doing this thing since 2017. We have what's called the morning meetup. Every single month, we have a theme, whether it's social media, whether it's motivation, whether it's strategy, whatever it is, we have a theme for the month. And every morning in that month, we have a conversation around that topic. And I am giving a wealth of knowledge, not only myself, but a lot of friends, a lot of people that you see on this podcast, they join every single week. So you need a community of people that you can grow with and you need a coach. I'm your coach. The Morning Meetup is your community. Go to themorningmeetup.com. It's $499 and I will meet you every single morning for an entire year. Give it a shot. So at UNTK, y'all sat down and y'all figured out how much you're going to need to ex to execute this, right? And we were dead it? wrong. At that point, it was a million dollars. And like our first round ended up being over three million. And so we were like, we were big wrong. Like it was like, <laughs> it wasn't, we were nowhere, nowhere even in the same. Right. I mean, how it was, did you realize how wrong you were? You started catching bills and like, like the projection for that thing you thought was only going to be 25,000 was 250. And I, 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 I tell this story all the time because it was such a really, like it was a really big moment for us. I went to my dad who's an entrepreneur and I was like, Hey, look, we thought this thing was going to be a million dollars. That was already a big number. Yeah. It looks like it's going to be a lot more, right? It just, it looks like, looks like we're off. Yeah. And he was like, son, small ideas will keep you small. You have to fight for the best possible version of your idea. And I was like, all right, okay. And you know, I remember being in these design meetings and like the designers were talking about, well, we should build this. And I'm like, 
I mean, I was learning stuff that I didn't even know. I look at buildings totally different these days. I mean, like, like woodwork, like any any wood you see in a building, pay for that. Yeah, for I mean, sure. Stuff that you don't see, like electrical. I mean, our like the. the I was like, I need to be an electrician. This is in, like, this is amazing. Like, 100%. so those numbers kept changing. And, but I, just, I kept just replaying that back to myself. Like small ideas will keep us small. If we want this to be a business that has a real shot, we've got to put ourselves in the game. And like, what is that number? And so it ended up being a little over 3 million. And so we again, this isn't some tech crunch story. Like we didn't have, it wasn't like someone came in and was like, and here's $3 million. Like, you know, I don't believe in accidents, but there were things happening that were just like person we had pitched for forever would call and be like, okay, I've decided to put 300,000 in. Mm. And like my construction bill would be $300,000. I mean, it was very divine intervention, like consistently for a, a year. I mean, a year plus of just, wow, how are we going to pay that half a million dollar? Because it was mostly construction at that yeah. point. And so you're Dude. constructing, but you don't have the money for the construction. Mid-construction, it's like, yo, we got a bill for 300000 And it's like, yo, we need to go get that money. Man, I remember there was a Wayne bar where he was, like, approving a million-dollar deals off my iPhone. Mm-hmm. And I w- that, was, that was my life. <laughs> that I was... <laughs> we, would, we would get these invoices in, or like, hey, you want us to design your space? Okay, here's, <laughs> and I would be like, all right, Lord, we're going to figure out a way how to, by the time this thing is due, and we, look, this all wasn't just like, we were being thoughtful about trying to structure this stuff in ways that gave us a shot at it. So we'd be like, hey, okay, we understand the full contract value. Yeah. Let's talk about 30 days, let's talk about 60 days, you know, and we would pace it out. But at the end of the day, we were absolutely stepping out on complete faith that by the time that thing was due, we would have figured something out to make it happen. But entrepreneurship, man, goodness gracious. Here's what I want to know though. If you, you come to me, say, yo, I need a million dollars and I'm saying, okay, I'll give you a hundred thousand and then you get your million and then you realize you need triple that. What happens to talk to me about like the equity Dilution now. We, I mean, and that, that's, that is the name of that game is dilution, right? I mean, every, and this is like why folks should really remember nothing actually beats a customer. What you really need to be trying, like raising capital is cool. I'll talk about it as much as anybody wants to talk about it, but nothing beats a customer because at the end of the day, every time you trade any cash to come into the business, you are giving up part of the company. Yeah. Right. And so, if you go back to the beginning, I'm I'm 50-50 with my business partner coming in. Mm-hmm. That was important to us. Like, we're coming into this thing together. Mm-hmm. So every time a check came in, we're both getting diluted. Yeah. At the same time, now this is the other side of that argument, right? Because sometimes people take that too far where it's like, well, I don't want to give up any part of my company. Well, like, depending on what you're doing, I mean, do you want to have, do you want to have a, a business because I, like it, it takes, it, it takes capital in a lot of companies yeah. to make it happen. And so I, I knew what I was signing up for. I knew what yeah. the game was. What I didn't understand super early on when I was pitching folks is that the only thing that they care about truly 
is how they're going to get their money back. Yeah. And I would spend so much time in some of these pitches about my passion and what the business could be and like how we were going to take it to the moon and like the impact that we would have stuff that like, like really matter. Again, I started this coming out of like organizing work. Yeah. So for me, it was like, we need a place where we can build and it's, uh, yeah. and these investors would be looking at me like, how I get my money back, bro. <laughs> do all of that. Do all of what you just said and make sure my money comes back when it's all said and done. Right. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't land that plane I mean, if I look at those first 97 before people started saying yes, if I'm being honest with myself, 40 or 50 of them, I wasn't like solid in being able to say, you give me X, I'm coming back with Y at this time point, like this period of time. And that is why you should invest here. Not because I'm the most passionate person you're ever going to find, but because I'm going to drive a return. But a part of it is them having to believe that you are who you say you are. You're going to do what you say. You, the part of it is them oh, trusting you. Well, the passion is what sustains you through the journey, yeah. right? Like, I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we think this stuff is random. It isn't. To me. I, I think you're doing what, like, you're supposed to do. Like, you, you, you could take your talents to some other field, right? But, like, this is the thing that you're passionate about. Correct. If you're waking up and that's not you... Like, you don't really love it, love it. Like, or you may love it because someone told you to love it. Or, like, <laughs> you saw somebody say, like, this is a good industry to get into. That's not, you're not going to make it through the marathon. Yeah, like You might get through five miles of it. But, like, when it's, a mar- when it's day in, day out, it's ugly. The only thing that gets you through those days, to me, is the passion. Man. And so, I, the investor needs to see that, right? Yeah. Because they know the hard days are coming. And their cash at that point is probably already gone. Yeah. So that that's what's going to fuel you is, is, the, <laughs> sure. is, is just how much you care about it. And like to this day, like I don't when it comes to what I do. Look, I'm sure there are a lot of people that are working really hard, but like I this is a full contact sport for me. Like I do like I. That is very clear. I do this like this is what I this is what I do. This is what I think I'm supposed to be doing. It feels like a calling for me. Mm-hmm. And I am willing to work at it in a way that like, I'm sorry, I don't believe that you're willing to. And if I'm wrong, like we absolutely have to play the game and see. Yeah. Because I am not about to, I, I, we're going, like, I have to see it. You're going to have, like, you're going to beat me on the, like, I need to see that happen. And like, you know, I'm, I've been working on this thing a decade and yeah. You being that person and having TK as a partner, right? Yeah. Did you ever feel that he didn't have what you had? And he probably doesn't because he's not you, but obviously it's still valuable, of course. But did that ever, just what I know about driven people. I mean, we feel that way about each other. Like that's part of the, I mean, I'm. It's a beautiful. I mean, it's, it's not. TK and I are friends. Best, like that's that's my guy, best man of my wedding, that's my guy, right? Uncle TK to my kids. Yeah. In this arena, that's TK, my business partner, and like he needs to lace him up too. And I still don't think that he's going to beat me. And he he legitimately feels the same way about me. I mean, we have look. This isn't trying to to glamorize like the hustle culture. You just work yeah. for, but like. If you're going to try to scale up company, you got to be in the room with people who like will look you in the face and be like, look, 
I don't think that you're willing to go to the places that I'm willing to go. Mm. And if both yeah. y'all like that, this is why this is. Oh, it's like it's this. dark. I'm not driven <laughs> off all the like. I, I don't know. All, there's this version of entrepreneurship that is very like kind and, <laughs> and, and, and and positive and like I appreciate it. Right? It's just not my version of it. Like right. it it it's a little darker, right? For me, like it it is. I'm motivated by the idea that wow, there's so much opportunity out here, and why do why should I be the person that like shouldn't have any oppor- like chance to get to it? Yeah. If it's out there for somebody else, like look, as far as I understand it, I get to do life one time. Yeah. I'm not about to allow you to do it bigger than me at all. Right, I didn't. I just, know, this is giving like, me a whole other perspective of who you are. Because online, uh, you got like a suit. You like almost. And I'm gonna ask. I'm probably still gonna ask you like if you're gonna be a politician one day. No, but no, because because no. I, I I didn't. Uh, this give me a whole other perspective about you. Man. No, I mean like I don't talk about this this side of it because yeah. I mean like what is there to really say? I mean at the end of the day, like I've decided to do a thing. I refuse to believe that my thing just has to stay small because I created it. Yeah. If we're going to do it, then like, let's go really, really try to go do it. Like I can't watch. Like it's not that that is not, what's the point of all of this? Like if we're going to, and I, I challenge anybody who's in like doing anything. If you're going to spend your time away from your family, away from your friends, away from the things that you like care about in any other arena, why would you do it in a way that doesn't make sense? Like, go do it. Go get it. Like, go go fully go get it. Like, if 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 not, then like, I don't I don't. It doesn't really. Let me, let me ask this question. Um, as you are raising, and I, I kind of want to get in like some of those early numbers. How did you structure? I need a million dollars. How did you decide what percentage they're going to get? How are they going to get their money back? Like, what was that early on structure? Give me your pitch to me. Early, early yeah. pitch? Look, so first, your company is worth what the market is willing to pay for it. Yes. In the early stages of a company, you probably are putting out a valuation that the company absolutely hasn't realized because you don't have any revenue. Yeah. With that said, folks are betting on potential. It's a high-risk bet, like, yeah. and which is another conversation that we have to have more consistently because like banks underwrite differently than VCs, which underwrite differently than mm. private equity people. Like right. there, there's a different thesis for what the return should be mm-hmm. and what they need to see from you. That's why like you may be able to get money from a venture capitalist cause they were looking for needle and haystack deals. Yeah. And like banks are like, show me everything and like make sure that all of this is collateralized where I can't lose my money. It's just a totally different thesis. Yeah. Our early deal, uh, we valued the company at like $5 million. Okay. So um, those early 20%. checks, we were, we, put up like tw- we were putting up like 20% of the business early on. Mm-hmm. And again, like that was what the market was willing to absorb. Yeah. <laughs> Pre-revenue company with first-time founders – in a space, I mean, it makes sense now, but if you go back to, to that point, I'm like, I'm going to have event space next to a restaurant and bar next to workspace, but it's all going to be about the community and like folks can or cannot come. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Folks were like, oh, you building like the Walmart shopping center of private clubs. Like, I don't, 
I've never seen this before. Now, yeah. now, I mean, and that, that's something that also people should pay attention to. Yeah. If you're building something where everyone is able to just be like, I completely understand. You should ask yourself, are you really pushing the space yeah. forward? Like, have you found that crack in the matrix God. where there's a real opportunity? So I actually took all of this like signals sent back to us of like, are you sure? As being like, oh yeah, absolutely. That, is, that means that like, we are looking at the landscape appropriately because they haven't seen this before. This is actually mm. now the fundamentals are like have been seen, but the folks haven't seen this combination. Yeah. It's never been black. It's never been young. It's never been modern. Like yeah. they haven't seen this. Like that's the opportunity. Again, if you're saying, if you're saying something to people and they're like, absolutely. And, and you know, I can use like prominent examples to try to ground this point, but like, I remember being in DC and they were like, yo, there's this company where like you can just get on your, your app and like a car will come pull up to you. And I was like, huh? like, <laughs> like somebody's random car. I don't want to do that. And then, you know, a couple of years later it was like, yo, there's this app or this website where you can go and like stay in somebody's house. And I was like, I don't, I don't understand that. What do you, why would I go stay in someone? I, I remember having a conversation where I was like, stay in somebody's house with like their pillows and like, <laughs> their toothbrush and like now now we're like oh of course uber airbnb yeah. just airbnb so you have to really be looking like to find mm. that where it should be like are you sure like people really want to like get in other people's cars and that's the thing that discourages people but you're saying that's the thing that should encourage you getting a no that type of no sometimes is the confirmation that you're heading in the right direction mm. you really need to like Again, if you haven't pushed it, there are some businesses where you can just come in and like out market and like just position the product better. Yeah. Most of the time, though, you're going to need to find something, some angle that is legitimately different. And that difference should stress people out <laughs> like it should make them really question if you are the right person, if it is the right time, all that, because if you're right about it which is what I fundamentally believed. I was like, I'm right about this. Yeah. That's the opportunity. I am falling in love with this conversation mm. so bad right now. This is amazing. All right. So we need a million. We raised a million. We realized we need 2 million more. Do you and TK say, all right, we're already uh, diluted by 20%. Do we come up with an, another valuation number? Like just come up with one. Like, okay, we need 2 million. This is what we're willing to give up. It's valued at 15 now. So, yes. Two things that every entrepreneur should remember. First thing, you should make the argument, because it's true, that you have to be properly incentivized in the business or it doesn't make sense for you to be there. Yeah. And investors, if they're serious about the company too, while they are trying to get as much of the company as they can, they have to make sure that the founders see some light at the end of the tunnel yeah. Otherwise, like I could just go back to the law firm. Yeah. It was just about trying to like, I, it didn't make sense to try to like create a job for myself. If I was going to take on all of this risk, there had to be the potential for some reward somewhere. Yeah, for sure. The second thing that you should remember is that at the end of the day, while investors are super important, you're the person that has to go make this happen. Mm -hmm. Like you, Yeah. there is no, there is no way to get to whatever this magical place is without you. Now, a lot of investors will talk to you in a way that suggests that it's really them that make <laughs> everything happen here. But like, this is the ultimate, like they're not shooting with you in the gym. Yeah. 
And look, I'm not saying that there aren't investors that are helpful. There are plenty of investors that are. But at the end of the day, it is your idea. It is your execution. It is your tenacity every single day that's going to make this thing a reality. You cannot be afraid to put that on the table as a real fact. Love it. And structure the deal to accommodate for that reality that everyone is going to experience, right? Yeah. It, it bothers me so much when you, like, I see founders that are like, oh, you know, I, I'm just, you know, and the, the investors do this. It's like, oh, I'm just really trying to get in this meeting with this investor. And like, you walk in and you like, shoulders all low and, you know, you're scared. And it's like, mm. Yo, if you believe that your company is about about to be successful, then what you really should be saying, or at least have some some bit of your energy should be like, you're welcome. Yeah. You're getting the opportunity to bet with me. Yeah. You're going to give me a check. I'm going to come back and give you back more money. Yeah. I'm going to go work every single day to make that happen. You are welcome. So yeah. we're in a partnership together, right? This isn't like a... You're not daddy. Like this yeah. isn't like, like, <laughs> like that, that's not what happened here. Like yeah. we're doing this thing together. You're, you have an, a very essential part, but I have a really, really essential part of all of this. Yeah. Like me build it. Yes. Like I have to, I've got to make the hard decisions every single day to make this thing a reality. So while I'm happy, you're here. We all should be happy that I'm here <laughs> because, because at the end of the day, like I'm the person that has to go, go do this. Oh, and so goodness. please, like when you're talking to investors, it's not arrogance. It's just yeah. a very quiet confidence that like, yes, you're real. like, you're really him. You're really her. Like, and if you don't believe that about yourself, don't do this. Like, oh. don't, don't do this right now because you should yeah. feel that way about the company. Like, no, like I'm that guy. Yeah. Like I'm for in for this thing. Yeah, I'm that guy. Man, I and I thought I I, I thought the story was your dad gave you a bunch of money and he just built that joint, right? So, but your your father is a successful entrepreneur. Super. And did they help? I'm sure. I'm sure he see all this motion. He didn't put something in somewhere. No, he, he invested. He he was not the first. So no, my, one of the early conversations with my dad was like, look, to demonstrate that the business is interesting to other people. Yes, you're my son. Yeah. But to demonstrate that the business is like, is interesting to other folks. Like you got to go raise some capital. Yeah. So I'm not your first check. Mm-hmm. I'm not your second check. I like that. Like I, I, I'll look at the deal, but like the way the deal needs to make sense for them is going to need to make sense for me. Like, I like that. I'm not about to lose money playing with you. Like, right. <laughs> like I just, I love like, I love you. You are my child. I would do anything for you, but like just blindly giving you cash for the sake of it. What's up podcaster or soon to be podcaster. Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know ATL baby, Atlanta, Georgia going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your business to the next level imagine getting all the insider tips imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two three four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools you don't have the tips you don't have the tricks i don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro this summit has something for everyone 
Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. But wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you, rub shoulders with industry leaders and you got to network with other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code Big Deal. It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people to listen to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you no, right now, yet you got time, no pressure, you get us back. But use that code big deal that triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free. So don't wait. So secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country. Join us July 4th and 5th in Atlanta. Let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality, y'all. Head over to podcastsummit.com. Use promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal that's not i that that didn't sign it like (laughs) and, and, and it's very different than like my parents approach to like education for example that's a. I will do everything I can to prepare you to go out into the world. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. I will take you on every experience. You know, I take a lot. Of, I appreciate this now. My parents, if there was something going on, they would take me. Yeah, they take my sister. We would go to like whatever it was stuff that didn't even like like business stuff. Yeah, I, the the number of meetings that I was the little kid in the corner in the chair that didn't even know what was really happening, but was just absorbing business. He would take me, but like, this is a different arena, right? Because what my dad knows is that this is war, right? So at the end of the day, what I really need to test for is like, are you, yes, you're my son, but like, are you built like that? Because we're not going to just lose cash with you playing around. It's not, it's not like that. Like it's, this isn't that situation. Now there are some families where it seems like, you know, here you go and lose it all or Go go play around with it, but like, not in your house. <laughs> yeah, that I don't know if it'll ever be at a place yeah. where it's just go just go 
throw it away. So I'd imagine those first investors that got in for the $1 million, they're happy with their investment at this point. But let me, let me, let me so. ask, moving forward, idea, okay, we build out the, we build out the studio. Did y'all buy that building? Mm, I wish we could. No, no, not the first, no. So there was a, but y'all had to like gut it completely, right? It was a very difficult deal. So this, it was a, it was a bet on you. It was not a traditional commercial real estate deal. Talk to me. So normal, normally if you're leasing space, there are a couple of components. What's your security deposit? What's the uh, rental from a square footage perspective? And then a lot of times the landlord will put up tenant improvement dollars, TI. Yeah. And some of that money can go to construction. Some of it can go towards FF&E. So like fixtures and furniture and stuff. Yeah. We're unproven entrepreneurs, really need space. I need 25,000 square feet is what I'm in market shopping for. Yeah. And so we almost had a deal with a very big development in town. And I actually, I haven't told this story before. There was a 95% owner and a 5% owner. So we negotiated with the 95% owner. Mm-hmm. We were so confident that this deal was happening that like I got an apartment where I could walk to the space. Like the deal was all but signed. Yeah. 5% owner asked us to come to a meeting. We go in the meeting, walks in the room. He's like, I will not lease you the largest contiguous space in my development. Oh. Deal dead right then. Boom. Over with. Why? I will not lease you the large. I will not lease you. (laughs) Draw your own conclusions. Wow. Um, so then we were back on market and look, I mean, commercial real estate is tough. I mean, it, it is not an industry that is known for being super accessible for sure or forgiving, <laughs> forgiving. And like, I mean, it, everyone is looking for big credit tenants. They want people that have yeah. a lot of cash behind them so that at the end of the day, they know it's not that much different than when you're trying to get an apartment as a person. They're like, I want to know that you could pay this rent. No matter what happens to your little business. Right. For the next 30 years. I, I need to. <laughs> I, ups, downs. I, yeah. I don't care about all of that. Make sure that this rent is paid. And no, we're trying something for the first time and need a lot of space to do it. And I wasn't willing to take, you know, a lot of folks would be like, well, just start small. Like just do 5,000 square feet and then grow into the rest. I was like, small ideas will keep you small. So it needs to be 25,000 square feet. If we're going to do it, we got to do it. So to make that deal happen we had to be very aggressive in putting our money where our mouth is. So said differently where you, a lot of times will get tenant improvement dollars mm-hmm. where the landlord's contributing to the construction. Yep. We had no contribution. We built out everything. In the one that you're in now. In, the, in Atlanta. Yeah. So, but that was, that was your, that wasn't the original option. That was the second option. It was like the second major option for the first one. Gotcha. But, that deal to get the like what is now the gathering spot and open it didn't help out with anything built it all everything built a kitchen built everything no assistance we raised all the money to do it all man how long did it take to build out call it a year okay so it's almost like and this is what i've what i've experienced in entrepreneurship right the hard part is putting together a plan on okay exactly how this is going to look and then you got to go find money. And you realize that putting the plan, that was the easy part. Now we got to go find the money. Yeah. 
And then that's the hardest part. But then you get the money, then you got to build it out. You're like, oh, getting the money was the easy part. Now I got to actually build this thing, right? But once this thing is built, you can almost breathe, right? But now you got to say, who's going to pay for this? Like, we got to get people in. What was the strategy of filling it up? Because it seemed like y'all filled it up fairly quickly. I mean, we had to. Again, like, this being no Cinderella story and nothing beats a customer, you couldn't, like, the $3 million that we raised we put all of that into construction, right. right? So the day that we opened, we had to make money from that day in order to survive like immediately. There was no <laughs> folks are, you know, what's your burn rate and what's your reserve and all that. Like those are all, you should do those things if you can. Right. That wasn't my reality. Like it was, I remember there was a very prominent investor and we were standing in the, like the upstairs space at TGS. I remember him asking me, he was like, what's your burn rate? And I was like, Hey, look, so today's Monday. <laughs> and if I don't make money by Friday, we're going to be closed. Right. And he was like, no, no, no. Like really like what's like, what's, what's the burn? I'm like, no, like today's Monday. I need you to like, whatever we're here to talk about and do like, I need you to do it or not. Right. Because my main focus right now is, and I lived, I lived hand to mouth like that. I mean, I used to genuinely call TK on Mondays and I'd be like, how much money do we need to make to make it till Friday? Wow. And I did that for two years. Really? Every Monday. And so what was, what's crazy about this too, is that I'm operating a membership club community and like, that's not sexy for the founders of a business to be on the internet like hey we we you know want to help a business in need <laughs> right so we had to we had to talk about it as if we were we just talk about it in the future all the yeah. time like we couldn't talk about our our actual reality i mean the, the real reality i mean I, man there's so many moments i remember walking into the, uh, an office that tk was in and i was like oh Yo, you all right <laughs> and he's like yo the walls are closing in <laughs> and I'm like, bro, like, huh? And like, I knew, uh, I knew what he was talking about. Like, yeah. the walls were closing in. Like, we had, yo, I truly, there was a day that the like power went out, and I called him. And I was like, yo, did they finally get us? <laughs> because, like, I knew exactly, like, I knew exactly <laughs> when the, I mean, to the point where like, like the disconnect man would be like. Yo, like, y'all on my list, like, <laughs> go make a payment because, like, you're on the list. And we would we would run down to Georgia Power and be like, no. keep our lights on. I mean, like, so it was, this stuff is not glamorous, right? Like, I, I really don't, I, I'm, I like to be transparent about this because in the absence of that, there are people who will get on here and act like, oh, yeah, you know, I started my thing and it was amazing yeah. from day one and look how amazing I am. And like, like it's most, that's not the reality for yeah. most of the businesses out here. That's like a fact. anybody who's really been in it probably can relate to most of what I'm talking 100%. about. Like knowing that like people get paid on Fridays, but like checks clear out your account on Wednesdays. <laughs> right. So payroll for the businesses on Wednesday, right. not on Friday when you receive it. Maybe Thursday if you're, you know, depending on who you're working with. And, hey, if it gets really, really tight, I've never missed a payroll. But if it gets really, really tight, like, 
paper checks might come because <laughs> if they couldn't deduct it out of the account on Wednesday, if you put it in by Friday, they might mail you some checks, right? Like right. that is the real reality of entrepreneurship. And we have to talk about it that way yeah. and stop allowing all these people to like paint this picture that there's, you know, you're, you're doing it wrong or like you should be ashamed of yourself when like probably if you're starting out, you know exactly what I'm talking about That's right now. That's I mean, it, you, you've gone through and again, take a step back. This is not random while you're doing this, right? Like you have to stay rooted there because all the other stuff doesn't make sense. Yeah. I have no, I, I can't fully explain like why I had to go through, man, like I, folks calling us like you owe me money. I'd be like, I, I know, <laughs> right. I, but, but so but there's strategies in there though. It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. 
By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. You have to you can't run from people. Right. You have to have real plans. Mm-hmm. You have you have to be committed to like covering whatever your obligations are. Sure. And everyone always knew that that's where we were. So like, okay, I would never miss a payroll. So my people aren't, that's most important. But like, if it was something else, hey, I know it's due Friday. I'm going to pay you Tuesday. And you can call me on this number anytime. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Right. Like you you can call me every day until it's due. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not running from you. I'm not telling you I'm not going to pay you. I'm not trying to do some weird contractual thing and say, I owe you this. I'm going to do what I said I was going to do you would be surprised how many people will say, thank you for taking my call. See you on Tuesday. Wow. I thought y'all are just, you know, can you turn that off the, uh, the hater? I was thinking that like, for one, there was like an application process to get it. Right. And imagine that. (laughs) Imagine that I'm denying people. I, I am denying people to be a member of the club. While all of what I just said was happening. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm trying to get at. Okay. Yeah. You got to walk me through that though. I had a vision about how the company was going to be built. If I believed if I took a shortcut that like I would pay for it in the long run. So uh, extreme discipline about like what the business was going to be. Now, look, all this, everything that I'm saying here is in balance, extreme discipline, but also like extreme flexibility yeah, yeah. because call, call some yeah. of the people we did. Let uh, it, yeah. No, I mean, like, you've got to keep, you've got to keep looking for, for new sure. ways to do stuff. But at the same time, like, Folks will call and be like, hey, I heard you have a new spot. So we're going to do Thursday nights in there, bottle service. And I'm like, oh, hold on. We're not a nightclub. Yeah. And at that time, I would have loved to take the nightclub money. I like there. (laughs) There were some days where it was just like light show it up. In here, oh, yeah, Please, that yeah. would change the just whole. Put the stripper pole in there. Yeah, like, like out by tomorrow. So put the here. light show in. Uh, <laughs> but I was like, okay, if we're gonna build a business that's going to stand the test of time, mm-hmm. I I've got to have some discipline here. Yeah. We can't do that deal. Yeah. So you've never seen that happen at TGS. You've never seen your favorite promoter promoting Thursday nights yeah. because that wasn't what the business was there to do. That's no disrespect. Like that's a different business model. Sure. That wasn't our model. Mm-hmm. So. I stayed very just I, I wasn't flexible yeah. there. And like we and yeah, no, and it didn't make sense, right? Like, no, because financially makes you know, sense. You just you just can't make you can't make decisions out of that type of desperation. Yeah. I mean, you've gotta stay you gotta stick to sure. what your what your idea and what your values are and like use them to guide you through the process. So this was what what year did you open? What was the date? 2016. March 1st, 2016. March 1st, 2016. So to about 2018, it is a rocky road. Yeah. But going on the other side, of goodness gracious. So that was really only, well, you had a, about a year or so of light before the pandemic. <laughs> and then things get dark again. No? The pandemic. Yeah, man. It was, oof. I I was in full on denial about <laughs> I, I, I stay on top. Everybody's got colds. Everybody's cool. Yeah, no, no, I, no. So I, I stay on top of the news. So like, and I'm seeing this, and I'm like, American economy is not going to shut down. Like, oh, that's not. We don't. We don't shut down America. Like, we're not. <laughs> go home. Like, right. We're not. 
Get out of here. Yeah. Two days later, hey, everybody, uh, <laughs> we're going home. And uh, and what was, you know, personally, what was going on during that time. So my, my first child, my daughter was born April 4th, 2020. Wow. So my wife is, like, very pregnant. April 4th? April 4th, 2020. Yo, bro, that was a few days before Atlanta said it's over with. I remember because I was supposed to do an event April 4th. Yeah, we shut down mid-March. And I remember, look, I called my mom because, like, that's what you're supposed to do when you're stressed. (laughs) Called my mom but was like, Ma, I got this spot called The Gathering Spot. And the news, I just saw, I had like just seen this on the news. The news anchor just said, don't gather. It's, it's illegal to gather. I'm like, mom, the word association by itself <laughs> is crazy. They like they're saying don't gather. Right. And like we we <laughs> we gather. Like that's what I mean, literally on the wall it says why we gather. I'm like my first child's on the way. Oh Every event that we have on the books for the year is canceling. Like, right? Like, I mean, mm. hundreds of thousands of dollars of revenue, like, gone, like, in a flash. I got a team at that point of probably 100, a little over 100 people. I'm like, we've got real payroll. Yeah. Declining revenue in free fall. Yeah. And so... Called a meeting with our team. I was like, hey, look, the only thing I know is what I've always known. This business is about community. We're going to have to do everything that we can to try to weather this storm by providing value to folks. So we've got to figure out what that is. But a lot of businesses like ours are going through it. They don't know what's next. We've got to figure out how to to stand in that gap. And so we introduced, um, I guess you can call it a campaign called we all we got. Mm-hmm. And our first, uh, our first act was I went to the membership and I was like, hey, look, if you continue your membership, I will take a percentage of those dues and I will give it directly back to businesses that need cash to survive. That's good. So if we do this together. TGS. This was before PPPs, before anybody. Yeah. If we can just weather this together. And so historically, TGS is... Um, we have, I mean, it's industry leading really, really low churn. I mean, our attrition has been less than 2% for most of our history. So I'm expecting that that was going to go up and it didn't. Wow. The Basically the entire membership stayed. Yeah. And we just kept rolling. We all we got, that was, and we all we got eventually changed into we will be heard because it was an election year. Mm-hmm. So we started doing everything collected, connected to, well, the summer, there were a lot of protests that summer, so we opened our doors to anybody that needed space to organize, going back to my original kind of history. That's dope. And then by the fall, it was really trying to get ready for that election season. So gotcha. um, honestly, I'm, I'm really proud of, if I look back over this whole journey, yeah. what we were able to do during the middle of the pandemic, that's some of the work that I'm most proud of. I love it. Okay, so I need to uh, I need to get into this acquisition yeah. because you sell. Um, how the conversations start? Uh, fairly randomly, honestly, we were on a call talking about 
growth capital, right? Because at that point, DC was online. We were still trying to figure out how we could get to some other markets and the market had changed, right? So I raised the first rounds of capital in total. TGS has raised like $20 million or the the first iteration of TGS raised $20 million. Like when I, before we were acquired and I was looking at like, okay, our competitors honestly are raising a lot more. Who is your competitor? It one to one, we 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 don't really go straight up against anybody. But there's there's you know there's other private clubs out there. There are other co working kind of concepts out there. So when you're raising capital, that's who the market is looking at. At that time, for sure, everybody was looking at WeWork. Right, I mean, right, right, right. WeWork was mm-hmm. the fastest physical expansion ever of a phys- like a physical yeah. uh, business. I mean, truly, like, I don't think folks really like WeWork grew faster than McDonald's. Like it's the fastest physical expansion mm. of any business ever. Oh wow. Um, and, you know, their valuation kept climbing. At, at one point, it was $47 billion. Wow. And so it, th- this is another important thing for me to try to talk about because on one hand, like on this hand, I'm like, I'm really proud of the fact that we raised $20 million for our startup and, like, the business was profitable and we built a good company. On the other hand, I watched folks in our space or adjacent spaces raise billions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like when I look over here, I'm like, "Wow, look at us! Yeah, be proud." <laughs> and then when I look over here, I'm like, "We're not even. This is not little league. Close. We're not even." And I think we have to we have to keep that perspective at all times, right? Because without it, right, you can get convinced. And again, I'm not telling you not to be proud of real milestones in a business, but again, if you go back to this idea of like, we don't deserve to just have small things for the sake of it. Yeah. Why are we not? We can play the game over here. Yep. So, okay, to answer your question, I was having that conversation and was like, okay, well, how do we get there? Is there a way for us to get there together, right? Because I do, I, the whole business is about community. And- hey, y'all, I ain't gonna lie, man. They sent me this Eufy lock. Think about being on a couch. Someone rings the doorbell. Your child left their key at school and they need you to get off the couch to open the door. Well, you don't have to do it anymore with this Eufy lock. You can open, unlock, see who's at the door all on your phone. It's super easy to install. You can set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It's keyless entry. So it's no more fumbling for your keys when your hands are full coming from the grocery store. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. Listen, you put your fingerprint on there, you don't have, even if you got you got your bags, you put one finger out there, boop, you get to unlock your door that way. No battery anxiety. You don't have to worry about the battery dying. Quick charging, it's incredible. Also, passcode unlocking and remote control with a 2K clear sight camera so you can see who's at the front door. You're in control anywhere from the app. Enhanced night vision. It's absolutely incredible. No monthly fee either. So unlike other brands that charge a monthly fee, you have you have uh, recordings locally, and you don't have to pay for the storage. Customer support is on 10. Listen, Eufy is on standby for you 24-7, so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by our professional customer service team. Listen, you can contact them anytime, telephone, email, or live chat. Okay, listen, you need this Eufy lock. You need to look it up. All you have to do is go to the official website, Eufy, 
E-U-F-Y.com. I just ordered mine, okay? I love this product. It is incredible. It's a game changer. It makes life so much easier, right? So if you have a video doorbell already or any smart lock, it's, 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 it's time to replace it. It's time to replace it. So listen, search Eufy, E-U-F-Y, video lock. Search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Okay? You can get a complete control of your front door, your life, back door. Incredible. Okay? So search Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply collaboration can we work together to figure out how to, to build a really really big business another dynamic here it's not talked about enough but like where does scaling black owned businesses go i mean what do you mean the most prominent example we use all the time is bob johnson right and mm-hmm. bob johnson bc they take a lot of heat because why would bob sell bet but step back Bob took in investors. Bob was the biggest black-owned company on the block. Mm-hmm. And you've got to return capital to your investors at some point. Yeah. So you look around, and I'm sure you're hoping to find somebody else that's black that has the capital to, to buy you. Mm-hmm. But when you become the biggest black-owned thing in your category, unfortunately, and this, this is a thing that we have to fight to correct, where can you go? You can't find other black people with capital to carry the torch it turns at, at scale like when you start to when you when you start to when the revenue in the business starts to like really grow and you're and the valuation of the company starts to really really grow and you want to stay a black owned business there are, that's why we started saying like well what about Tyler Perry mm-hmm. and Oprah it's like well, well Tyler Perry and Oprah can't own every business in our community. So then what ends up happening is a lot of times those founders have to sell. Mm. And a lot of times not to other black, black owned businesses or black people. It's an unfortunate reality. Right. But like we have to create a moment where there's a wealth transfer otherwise. And so, okay, the other side of this, people will be like, well, why sell it all? If you take in capital in the business, you're selling anyway. You've made you've made the decision to sell the business at that point. Yeah. So you could pick. A, it doesn't matter what company we're talking about. You pick any prominent example of a company that was sold in our community. The second they took in a dollar from somebody outside of the community, they're they're going to have to sell that company. There has to be. A, there's going to be a liquidity event, most likely. Like that's why the investors invested. It's not a charitable endeavor. Like <laughs> so. Or for this to be your. Your family legacy business, because you have an obligation to the investor. It already wasn't your family legacy business. The second the capital came in, that was outside. Like, it, like right. it, 
look, there are, there are exceptions to all of these rules. There are some people that figure out how to take their investors out and stay in. Mm-hmm. But like, we have to change the, uh, the obligation there. We don't ask anybody else to, to like die in their company. Yeah. It's, it's only our stuff where it's like, well, I, you know, I, I really liked that hair care product. Me too. But when they took in a check and you started to scale, well, yes, it is Unilever and P&G. And like, you probably are going to go to some of the largest consumer packaged goods. And yeah. like, those companies are probably going to be the only ones to, to be able to buy you. And like, I'm not talking about that from a point of pride. I'm talking about it. It's just like the reality of where we're at. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I get frustrated about this because like, we'll see like a meal and it's like, well, like, why would they do that? Yeah. Why wouldn't they? Why? Okay, what 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 company is larger than them that could buy them? That's black owned. They were they were the category. Yeah, and there's some others, but like, that go look at the revenue of PNG. Mm-hmm. Go check out Unilever. Like, man, it's just not like. But you had a you had an opportunity to work yeah, with someone. Yes, I would have attended. Yes, right. No, I'm saying, <laughs> but that's that's cool. Now that paints a picture of why I can see in your mind. This is a perfect scenario. So our situ- I'm trying to have the opportunity to do something different. Yeah. So there's a black owned business that is, has raised enough capital that they can buy us. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's an opportunity that we probably aren't going to see again because I mean, respectfully, like we, there are no bigger black owned companies in our space. Yeah. So I'm probably going to end up being, I'm, I'm probably going to be having a conversation at some point saying, Hey y'all, like we just were sold to fill in the blank hospitality group because they've been around a lot larger than us and have raised a couple billion dollars. And like, we're going to become a part of their portfolio. Yeah. I didn't want to, I, that we had a shot to not have that be our reality. Mm-hmm. We got to take it. We can work together. Let's figure out how to go make that happen. Right. So, um, this for those that don't know. So Greenwood bank, you fintech. had to deal with Greenwood Bank, right? Yeah, Greenwood Greenwood was a fintech that bought us. Greenwood, is it a bank or? It's a fintech. A fin- okay, financial. Technology. technology. Sir, it's not a, it, why I'm making that distinction, it is formally not a bank. Like it does not have a bank charter. It is, if you know like a Chime or Varo, like it's yeah. it's a fin, it's a financial services, like technology gotcha. company. Okay, and they're a bill, multi-billion dollar company, right? Greenwood? No. So Greenwood has... Greenwood has raised a significant amount of capital, yeah. right? So, but it's, I mean, uh, the time they acquired us, they were a couple of years old. So they, they weren't billions of dollars in revenue. Gotcha. It was, it was just, what, they had attracted a bunch of capital. Was it um, public knowledge of what they bought y'all for? No. Did no. No one shared it. Okay. But the amount that you sold it for, were you happy with it? As an entrepreneur, I don't, yeah, I mean, it was a deal that I did. I, I wouldn't say like. I mean, but sometimes I, you do a deal, you're like, ah, I did a deal. I wish I could have like done something differently, but it's cool. Or you were saying, y'all want this number? They like, yo, let's make it happen. We make you walk away, and you're like, yo, I'm super satisfied with that. So, a little bit of a different situation. It was yes, like this is a deal that makes sense for us and makes sense for our investors. Um. But more importantly, it gives us an opportunity to work together to go build an even bigger business. 
So I wasn't oh. contemplating. It wasn't, here's the company. I'm out. See you later. It was technically the company will be owned by this larger holding company. And you'll still work. In but the- I'm going to go work with the team. We're going to go build a, a, a yeah. bigger black-owned business at scale. Like, And you still have a ownership stake or whatever. I still, I would still keep an ownership stake yeah. in the business. I'd still be in it. Like, like to me, this is the like LVMH model, right? Like go look at all of the companies that LVMH owns. Yeah. It's incredible. Like Louis uh, and we, a bunch uh, we know, but a bunch, a bunch we don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's across category. Yeah. I mean, it's liquor and it's, it's everywhere. Right. Yeah. So what frustrates me is that there are very few examples of black owned businesses that have that sort of scale, especially across industry. Yeah. Right. Where like, you know, we have folks that like dominate media. Right. But like, I'm talking about one company that's like, got the hands uh, in every pot. I mean, even just inside of fashion, like LVMH will be like, well, I mean, what brand do you want of ours? <laughs> you know, and we'll be at the bar like, Oh, I can't believe they're wearing that. And it's like, it's all our stuff. Yeah. Like, like right. I, don't, I don't, or, you know, or, or like if you look inside of like champagne and we'll be like, Oh no, I like, I drink Vuv. I don't like, they own all of we that. Own all of it. We own all of it. Like you, you pick whatever hot for the season. Like <laughs> we'll, we'll be here. I mean, and, and that, we see this, you know, in spirit, there's a lot of industries where it's like, wow, like go look at like a, a, a Pernod Ricard or even like a Bacardi. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bacardi isn't just Bacardi. Bacardi is, Bombay and Ducey and I mean like there's a whole portfolio of brands so what I'm thinking about it and what I still encourage thinking yourself in that space yeah I want to be a part of a company where we're like wow what is it like to put a bunch of black owned companies together and have like a really 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 big company where across industries like we're (laughs) you know look at look at the um like Fenty Beauty, right? Mm-hmm. So Rihanna does that deal with LVMH. Mm-hmm. Well, where is Fenty exclusively sold at in stores if it's not online? Sephora. Oh, really? Who owns Sephora? LVMH. Dang. Like, they double dip it. They don't bought it and then put it under. We're going to start a brand with a celebrity. We're going to JV. And then we're going to say you can get that product online. Or you can get it in this store, Sephora. By the way, <laughs> we own Sephora. Like, so, yes, like, I, mean, I, I was talking to an entrepreneur here in town who has apartments where he, like, the entire thing is vertically integrated. He owns the construction company. He owns the property management company. Mm-hmm. Like, like, this, we got to start thinking about, like, okay, yeah, like, I have my business, but, like, could I be in the context of where there's, all of the auxiliary services around the business are, are also owned by us. This is such a mind expanding conversation. I think so. I think we can do so it. Good. Right. I mean, like here, here we are like, okay, yes, we have a media company here, but like, okay, we can own the, we can own the building. Right. But like, there's so many other services that get touched here. Mm-hmm. What is it like to own the microphones? Yeah. We're like literally everything that we're, we're doing is just like, we're, we're moving things within the community. That's why I talk about trying to circulate our dollar more because that to me, that is the like step one to getting to a place where you were like, okay, this finally starts like is making sense enough for these businesses to get together. Mm, and okay. I, I was willing to go into a context where 
when we were sold, I wasn't the CEO of the entire company, but if I could be a part of a larger effort yeah. and we could really drive impact, it's not only, this is not only about cash. This is about being able to like determine your own destiny. Yeah. How special would that be? That would be incredible. I mean, it's, we, we, it's a reality that we can have though. For sure. For it, sure. it doesn't have to, this is not some like dream. But it's, it's not at this point because, uh, and I don't know what happened, but something happened because you just recently uh, kind of unwound the deal saying, hey, we own it again, guys. Yes. So the only th- what I saw, i give you from my perspective, I remember you guys made the partnership. You sold to Greenwood Bank. And does Killer Mike own, Killer Mike own that company? He's part of He's the part founding of team. Shout out to Killer Mike. Um, so... I saw that. I'm like, wow, that's incredible. This thing is about to go crazy. And then there was like some, some conflict with TK and I don't, and then y'all said, yo, we own it again. So walk me through what happened. To the extent that I can, there's a lot, there's, we, we need to create a movie and not a, this is a long, <laughs> so the long story short is that this particular combination at this time the market has fundamentally changed, right? Mm-hmm. So, look, I, it was pretty well recorded out there. There was a pretty open disagreement tied to our original deal. That Between y'all and Greenwood. And Greenwood. Uh, yeah, TK and I and our investors in Greenwood. What was the uh, misunderstanding? Or I don't know or if it was, was a, a misunderstanding. I wouldn't call it a misunderstanding. It was, I mean, we like like any deal, there was a contract, right? And we we were disputing aspects of, of how that contract had been executed. Like basically the deal hadn't fully been fulfilled was the crux of what is very publicly out there. Um, so you guys understood the So everybody understands what's happening in this contract, but you're saying there's a part of the contract that somebody's not doing. That was what our lawsuit was about. And that's very public at this point. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so we go through that process we eventually come public. This is also public. Come to terms about uh, around that piece of the equation. You won. We came to a agreement. Um, <laughs> I from there though, right? So, so that, that, that that's okay. That's one. That's one box of this. Yeah. More importantly, right? The combination that we were talking about, fin- financial services, and what we do that has kind of a hospitality bend we weren't seeing a tremendous amount of synergy between those offerings and the landscape has changed. Right. So when we start this conversation, fintechs way, way up valuations are high, lose as much money as you want to, who cares about profitability, just acquire users and grow. 22 changes in the economy start to happen. Investor investor community starts to come to every business and it's like, Hey, that like free cash. I mean, you'll see this across industry. A free cash, like don't worry about profitability. You need to be profitable. Uh, you like that? That's the change. Like you need to go figure out how to be profitable right now. So you see a bunch of businesses immediately changing their business models and looking at their expenses differently to try to meet meet this new demand. If you're going to raise capital, we need to see an entirely different set of metrics than what we would have wanted to see six months ago. Yep. Okay. The original thing that we we had talked about doing, right, the synergy between our work and the fintech's work, it just wasn't. We weren't. It wasn't happening the way that we had imagined to. Did it, you it, think that they would be injecting more cash in an expansion, or 
we thought that overall the business would be would be growing, right? And so part of that growth would be more more clubs. But I mean, so yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. In a sense, we, I mean, we the assumption was that everything would be going yeah up and to the right. But we can't one hundred percent rely on them for that though, because right? uh, is it still we, we your objective to grow the clubs? Yeah, no membership wise. Yeah, no, yeah, no. It wasn't this. This wasn't ever. It was never about like we need to be in this environment to like, we, we were a profitable company. Yeah. Like we were like independently. We didn't, like we didn't, we were a good business yeah. on our own. Like yeah. stood on our own. It's fine. It was about how do you br- like bridge the services together was the. Got it. Is there yeah. way, is there overlap? Like going back to that Rihanna example, is there like ways for us to like do different things that are together? And like, that's what, you. that's what didn't, that's what didn't pan out. So there are probably some opportunities that they promised where you're like, okay, what about that opportunity? And they're like, well, eh, we can't do that right now. No, I, I wouldn't even say that. It's just like, it just, this was a unique combination. This was one of those examples of like, it hadn't been seen before mm-hmm. and it, it didn't fully click. Yeah. I mean, I got you. I mean, I, and like, I, I'm okay saying that, like, that's part of the process too. You're going to try things. Some of those things are not going to work. Yeah. This particular combination didn't work. So what we announced, the fast forward, what we announced is that um, TK and I, and the original investors, reacquired the company and are back. Social Proof family, let me tell you, man. Listen, I rock with Quince. I, I, get, I get a lot of cool things from Quince. And who doesn't love good things in life? Even though I enjoy a little luxury, it doesn't mean I can always afford it until I discovered Quince. Quince is my go-to for luxury essentials at affordable prices. Quince offers a range of high-quality items at prices within reach, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for 50 bucks, washable silk tops and dresses, organic cotton sweaters, and 14-karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I absolutely love that. I got some jewelry for my daughter for the low. Listen, give yourself the luxury. You deserve with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash social for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash social to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash social. So the the um, and I and I thought just I just want to give you like my speculation, but it seemed like something happened to where you were still there, but they were trying to like kick TK out or something like that. Was that true? TK TK was let go at one point. Oh, so they they or y'all? No, they. I didn't. No. So you were never a part. You and you and TK never had no issue. Ever. Okay. Good. 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 Okay, so they, I guess they felt like they didn't need TK. Maybe because you were more. I don't, I don't want to speak for them. I don't know. Um, I think, you know, pretty clearly though, and I mean, I, I think they said this too. Yeah. TK is a really important part of the company. I've, I've never said any different. Yeah. Right. He's, I, I built the company with TK. Yeah. So 
there is no gathering spot without him for sure past or future got it and um i think the community look i'm in the community business so like at the end of the day the community will tell you exactly how they feel about i, I i've known for a really long time that like I don't own this thing in that way. The community will tell you exactly how they feel about things, and that's it. Yeah. So they did, and TK was brought back. And we all do a deal like that. Did they shell out cash, and then you got to, like, pay it back, or? No, so they've talked about this. There's like, what's sad about this is, like, I wish that, like, I could give, the like, the deep, the most detailed answer for all of this. They've answered that particular question publicly, and so the short answer to your question is no. What was their answer? No. Oh, yeah, I just we just took that loss. We didn't yeah, we we the way that TGS has been constructed for it to continue on, right? Like we've got to bring our our team back together to keep rolling. Gotcha. So now we're just at the point where we were before the whole acquisition and all that, we're just right back on track with the same plans to expand. Let's go. We're back at it. I'm back in the office every day. I love it. Yeah. Do y'all have a, y'all have a podcast? No. I got you, bro. (laughs) I got you. You called me. No, I don't have a podcast. I got got you. Don't worry. I appreciate it. No, we don't have, no, we, I mean, I interview folks at TGS a lot, but we don't have a podcast. No. Can we do one? Let's roll. I mean, we have enough. Honestly, we have enough content right now. Like, we could, we would have enough episodes for. I've interviewed a lot of people. Got it. I got a vision. (laughs) No, I mean they're they're there too. And I want to be a part of what I see as history. You know what I mean? Like you guys are, you guys have done something so incredible. And I've always been for. I have a long track record. No one can ever say anything different for the last fifteen years or so. I have done nothing but build a community. That's it. Because I just believe in people. And almost from a selfish perspective, I know that I need people. I know that I need community. Not people that, like, I charge, but I just need this. Like, I need humans around me, right, for me to be at my best. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm just going, I'm just going, yeah. No, I mean, we, 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 look, this is a new season for us. I have some, like, this isn't about coming back to the business and doing the exact same things that we've always done. Mm -hmm. It really is like I'm I'm fascinated by how you like leverage technology to better build community in a way that we haven't done before. Like I want to figure out ways to make sure that the club is increasingly very intentionally inclusive. Right. Like we've got to have everybody having the opportunity to have a seat at the table. Right. So like I'm coming back with a very clear vision. And like I appreciate what you said, because at this point. I'm humbled by the fact that TGS legitimately is a place mm-hmm. where we've hosted some really, really big moments. For sure. And like, there are some folks that have really had, like they've met their business partner and their spouse yep. and like their best friend. Like there's real connections that have been formed. I mean, even like as of the day we're having this conversation yesterday, the vice president of the United States was at TGS. I saw that. And like, while I could talk about all of the political figures that have spent time from the president on down, I could also talk about like how the biggest artists of our time have spent time at TGS yeah, and the biggest startup founders. Like, like I'm really proud of the fact that like we've been able going to that original idea. I can look back now and say like, we actually have like you know, the weirdest day of TGS history for me was we did this private event with Drake that went pretty late. 
And then the next morning, the, at the time, was the Attorney General Eric Holder. So I go from a party with Drake, go home, took a shower, put a suit on, and came to talk <laughs> about the census with the Attorney General. <laughs> and I'm like, that's us. That's yeah. who we are as people. Yeah. That's who we are as a community, right? Like, yeah. we're both, like, we, we're, we're, we're hip-hop fans. We're social. We like, we like to hang out. Mm-hmm. And then the very next morning, we'll get up. And talk about the things that are important that are happening in our community. Like it's po- like I want to show through TGS that like it is possible to be both out loud. Yeah. And we have to have spaces where like, yeah, the place where you hang out can be the place where you talk about business. And sometimes like you're talking about business while you're hanging out. Like like <laughs> who's sure. written all these rules about how we have to associate with one another and how like how it has to happen. Like you'll go to our restaurants, you'll see people in suits sitting right next to people who are wearing t-shirts. Yeah. And I'm like, exactly. Like they have, there, there has to be a place where like that can happen. Like there's too many places where all the suits go over there and all the t-shirts go over there. But it's like, what happens when the t-shirts like start to rap with the suits yeah. and are like, wow, like we could really do some powerful things together. So over time I've watched that happen. And like, I'm as passionate about this season of the business as, as any other. Absolutely, man. Listen, I'm gonna hold the 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 other hundred questions I have for uh for the TGS podcast. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> put it together. Let's do it. All right, and this was incredible, bro. And like you really put a battery on my back, man. Because again, I didn't know I didn't I didn't know you were this serious about business, bro. I I know you're good at yeah. it, but in terms of I can feel your passion when you start talking about community and people and educating our people you know what i mean about what's going on because nobody wants to talk about yeah but but, ebbs and flows but like plain talk man like we have to we got to stop glamorizing this stuff and we've we've got to stop hustling each other like and what i mean by that is just like very plain conversation i mean i i get frustrated with the like you know, we're, we do so much of the like, you know, our, our community is just illiterate. Like, yo, like, no, and I'm like financially illiterate is how it normally comes up. It's like, there's always more to know. Yeah. Imagine taking that perspective. Like, there's always more to know, and we should be very serious about talking about our finances. But when you talk about it from a deficit perspective, it makes people come into the conversation like, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm two steps behind. And it's like, oh, like, just to say this plainly, man, like nobody knows what they're doing. Yeah. Like nobody. Now there's people who have experience and figured out, but like you're okay. Like just keep, yeah. Keep learning, keep building with people, keep talking about stuff. But like, you're not like disproportionately less capable than anyone else. And like, there's actually no math that backs that up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, like seriously, like if you look at our community, we, we are actually, if there's anything that we're disproportionately like that we do, it's be excellent. Like we, we overcome all the stuff to figure out how to be successful. So we can't allow the conversation to move into the space where we're like, Oh, you know, only if we had like, okay, there are some things we don't have. Yeah. I'll put us up against anybody. Yeah. I really will. Like, I like, I like, I will put us up against anybody, like, but we have to talk to each other from a place of confidence and not of this, like, you know, sad and like, like, like we're not going to like, we, we have to make it like, that's been our only reality. Like we have to make, we have to be successful. A hundred percent. So yeah, I, I got uh, this series on my podcast where it's called the hot seat. So I get these entrepreneurs who are like just getting going or in most, most of the problem. And I do a little bit of entertainment. Most of the problem 
is the confidence. Most of the problem is like, yo, I have an idea, but I don't have the confidence to go out and do it, or I don't have the work ethic. So that's what I'm finding through our community. It's just we don't have we don't have the work ethic, and we don't have anybody to say you don't have the work ethic. Yo, you're I, not really grinding. You know what I'm mean? like? Oh, there's yeah, some things yeah. you need. I can't help you with the work ethic piece, but yeah. like the other part, mm-hmm. the work ethic piece is just like, look, I, either you're passionate about it or you're not. Like I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know what there is to say. But on the first part about like the the know how part, yeah, you'll be fine. You don't figure it out. You won't know how until you get in there and start working. And like yeah. you said, and you're up against a bunch of other people that don't know how. A hundred percent. Like including these white dudes on the internet that like you probably feel like know all of it. Like they don't. Yeah. They, it's just not. That is not the actual reality. Like I went to Georgetown for undergrad. I'm super glad that I did because what I learned in that experience. It was amazing. I go to convocation. They're like, these are the best, most talented, smartest people in the world. Mm-hmm. Everybody stand up if you were valedictorian. Stand up if you were salutatorian. Half the room stands up. I'm like, hey, what is happening in here? <laughs> then we went to class. And I'm like, this is the valedictorian? <laughs> I'm not smart. Like, look, I don't believe I'm smarter than anybody. But at the same time, it's like, this is... <laughs> Smarter than that guy, I, I, <laughs> and like, and if I'm not smarter than him, he's not willing to go to the places that I'm willing to go yeah. to to be successful. Because like, my mother sent me up here to get a degree, mm-hmm. full stop. Like that's I came up here to like to do something. I am on a like this is a job. Yeah, is he up here on a job? He does, that doesn't look like a job, right? <laughs> like that, he looked like he's having to like he's looking like this is a good time. Yeah, and I, and I had a good, t- but I was coming back to Atlanta, Georgia. With like my trophy, mm-hmm. and I what it was one of those field things. It was like he's gonna have to beat me on this field. Yeah, didn't happen. Yeah, because that it's when you get up and like up close and personal with the people you think have it going on. Mm-hmm. When you got that dog and you like nobody, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> like like, <laughs> and so I encourage folks that have that feeling, like really, like go seriously study the people that you think have it. Mm-hmm. You will be shocked. A lot of them are lazy. A lot of them are not that strategic. A lot of them just right place, right time, mm-hmm. little bit of activity. Mm-hmm. And like only reason why they're still okay is that like nobody's competing against them. Cause you're like on the hot seat, scared to go get in the, in the conversation. hundred <laughs> percent. Like get out the hot seat, go play the game. I feel pretty good that like what history shows us, that if you're black and you're trying to make it happen, our tradition, our actual tradition is that we figured out how to make that happen. We win. So like it every time. Yeah. So like we don't even have to like, this isn't some just future focused, maybe sort of, you know, could have happened sort of thing. Our actual lived experience is that we go up against massive challenges as a community and as people and come out on the other side. Why do black women over index in making successful companies? Because black women have overcome all of it. Uh, America. All, that, that, yeah. So, <laughs> so like, America. why why can black women now in this environment, why, why are black businesses better positioned to come out? Of, because, again, we talked about it from deficit all the time. It was like black businesses are closing at ridiculous rates. That was about capital. Mm-hmm. I fundamentally believe that black owned businesses, like, especially when it's, Economy's murky, 
things are a little choppy. I'm not worried about us in this environment. I'm worried about you in this environment. Cause it was choppy for me when it was, when it was good times. Right. right? So like, <laughs> I know how to navigate yeah. that. Do you know how to navigate this? Mm. I think the answer is no. I, and, and I think that's what we're going to see coming out of this time period. If we have the right attitude about it, if we're, if we're looking at this and being like all great investors make their money during, during dips, not ups. Mm-hmm. Right. Like this is a dip. Stuff is changing. AI is coming into the game. Like this is the best time to go play while everybody's trying to figure it out. We know how to go do that. Yes, so I, we have to talk to each other like that. Yeah. Not from all these, like, I hope that they have good customer service. Like I, I see these comments all the time where it's like, like why, <laughs> why are we assuming the worst about ourselves? Like yeah. let's pour into one another, believing legitimately if we do it, we will win. Like that That's is what good. history shows us. So That's I'm good. done, but like, seriously, I, I'm, we gotta, this is a very critical year Yes, in a lot of ways. And we've got to stop talking about starting businesses and really focused on scaling them. Scale conversations are different than start conversations. We should do the business plan. But like, if you're going to start, we got to get you to, to real, real scale, like fast. Yes, sir. Yes. 96% of our businesses don't employ anybody. 96, 96% of our companies don't have a single member of the team. Like, think about think about the potential, right? So, I mean, the 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 results of that that's incredible is that if you graduate from college and you're black, statistically speaking, the likelihood that you will ever work at a black owned business is statistically insignificant. Wow, ninety six percent of our companies don't employ anybody. So when we're having these conversations about closing the, the wage gap and the overall like income inequality gap. Unfortunately, there aren't enough of our businesses that are employing people to help to disrupt that. We're almost entirely dependent on everyone else to give us an opportunity. Man, it's good. I like, I don't, that cannot be the, the reality. Like last thing I'll say on this, what's amazing about PWIs and, and having an, a PWI circuit and an HBCU circuit is that it gives us options. Mm-hmm. When you're graduating from high school, you decide. Yeah. Okay, when those people, no matter what school you went to, graduate, what is the equivalent landscape that exists out there? It doesn't exist. So you can graduate from an HBCU, but you're probably going to work at a PWI, no matter what happens. So we've got to disrupt that, right? Like, and there are ways to do it. We've got to get our businesses to scale so that when people are graduating, they can say, you know what? Do I want to work at that PWI, which may be a good opportunity? do I want to go work at this HBCU? I like that. And, and I, I believe when options occur, the PWIs are going to start looking over and being like, well, we got competition in the marketplace. Like we've got to make this a good place for black folks to work. Mm. We've got to have some scene with no, with no actual alternative in the marketplace. We just have DEI talks at nauseum. Like we just have book reports so after, over and over and over again. <laughs> but if you legitimately knew that your vice president could leave, not to go to another PWI, but to go to an HBCU that is competing against you and directly targeting not just customers in their community, but everybody else. Yeah. Now we're in a whole different world. So that's, that's why scale is important, right? Because yeah. you're having different conversations. You're starting to recruit talent. I remember when we, we hired the first person that worked at a Fortune 500 company to come to us. 
Mm. I'm like, well, what's up? <laughs> yes, I'm taking talent out the Fortune Five. Yeah, and not for the not for the discount. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> that optionality starts making people have to. I like that. 2024 is the year of scale for everybody. Yes, us, but everybody. We have to stay focused there so that, like, when our kids walk across the stage, they that it's more than 4% of companies that they have a shot to go work at. We, those 4% can't hire everybody. Yeah. So we need the 96% to grow so that we have a lot of small and medium-sized businesses that, like, folks have a shot at. Love this, man. Yo, thank you so much, man. I got mm-hmm. one question before I get you out of here. Uh, I like to know your vision uh, of who you are going to be or, you know, what do you see yourself accomplishing in the next five years? And the only reason I'm asking you is because I want to be able to watch this interview five years from today and say, Ryan said he was going to do that five years ago. Look, he did it. That's powerful. I, I believe in uh, speaking things. I mean, it was exactly what I was just talking about. I am going to build the largest black owned business in the private club hospitality space that exists in the world. Mm. That is what we're going to go and do. So I don't have any plans to go and like do anything else at the moment. But my immediate plan is that I want to build a black owned business at scale that has meaningful opportunities for people that is meaningfully in the conversation, driving meaningful impact. And that it wasn't about having one in Atlanta and one in DC and one in LA, but really globally thinking about how we have hubs of connectivity that exists across the world. And I'm in a mode right now where like, I really won't stop Mm -hmm. until I can see that. Like, till I, I, I have to see that I have to physically like, see that network happen. I want to be able to get in, get on a plane and fly out of the United States and go to a gathering spot. Wow. Love this, man. Goodness gracious. Give a round of applause, y'all, please. This was absolutely incredible. I am inspired. Ryan, please um, let everybody know how they can uh, find you. Uh, before we do that, I just want to say on behalf of everyone that is, listen, what's up? So what? Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I want to say uh, publicly thank you uh, for coming out, man. Let everybody know how they can find you and give us a word of wisdom. I'm at Spot on RW. The business is at the gathering spots uh, on all platforms. Look, my word of wisdom is just like, go do it. Seriously. There's no good day. There's no ideal set of circumstances. You're never going to wake up and the birds are chirping and the sky's blue. Yeah. Like, today's a good day. Go do it. Like, well, the community needs you to do it, right? Understand that this is an assignment, it's a mandate. Like, go make that thing happen. And, like, small ideas will keep you small. Love it, man. Listen, we can't close it out no better than that. Do yourself a favor, man. Go follow Ryan. Join the gathering spot wherever you're at in whatever sure. city you're in. And uh, do yourself a favor. Go get you some social proof, meaning go build something. Build it really, really big. But come back to your community to teach them how to do it because that's the only way our community grows. All right? We're out of here. Peace.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.